Good morning and welcome to Ask Andy. This is a daily podcast about personal injury practice in Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. I'm Andrew Newworth. You can reach me on the web at newworthlaw, N-E-U-W-I-R-T-H-L-A-W.com or at 215-259-3687. So I wanted to talk to you today about, you know, what it takes to be a lawyer. Nothing too unique or, or exciting to me, but it's something that I kind of wish people had told me along the way. So um, I've been a lawyer since I've been officially a lawyer since 1997. So that's like 22 years. Um, I went to college at Cornell. So I was a smart kid in high school and did well on my tests and went to college and did well at Cornell. And then I took a couple of years off because I was tired of going to school. And eventually I decided to go back to law school after working in a couple law firms. And the lawyers there thought I was crazy because they were miserable uh, being lawyers. But they were working in a big Wall Street firm, getting kind of the life sucked out of them for a nice salary. So I went to Cornell Law School and I applied there. I did really not so great on my LSATs, which are the entrance exam for law school. I was in like the 75th percentile, which is not acceptable for law school (laughs) or not acceptable for Cornell, at least. Uh, But I had taken a class during college with one of the law professors and I had gotten an A in the class. So I got put on the wait list and I kind of went and begged the professor saying, look, I've been to Cornell undergrad. I can do the work. I got an A in your class. And eventually I got off the wait list and started at Cornell. So Cornell is like a top. 15 or top 20 law school in the country. Um, It produces a lot of people who go to big Wall Street firms, sort of the cream of the crop or the cream of the crust or the top of the crust, whatever you want to call it. Um, And, you know, I worked my tail off. It was the first time I had actually run into people who were academically, you know, smarter than me in the humanities, at least. I could never do math or science. And, you know, being a lawyer selects for a couple things. One is being a hardworking academic student. Two is like essentially doing well in in English. Um, You know, the humanities, all the non-sciencey, non-math type stuff. And, you know, to my mind, it's just a little bit of, you know, bullheadedness. It's, It's a willingness to spend three years at a school where you learn little or nothing that has to do with your eventual professional practice. So, but no one told me that ahead of time. They just said, go to law school. So that's what I did. Now, the first day of law school, professor called on me, or maybe the first month or so, professor called on me out of the blue, and I was kind of contrary or cantankerous or contentious with him. And he said, oh, you're going to be a litigator. And I didn't really know much about it or think much about it. I, I didn't think I was trying to be difficult, but apparently I was. And that's what I ended up being. So, one point for the professor. Anyway, I tried to work at a bunch of jobs as a kind of corporate lawyer representing corporations over summers, and I didn't like it. And I went to become a DA, and I got a job as an assistant district attorney in Queens, New York, which is a city, you know, about twice the size of Philadelphia, about two million people. And I was there for about five or six years, kind of learning the ropes. And when you're a young DA or young young lawyer of any kind, you know, you learn some of the basic lawyering skills. And some of those are dealing with a lot of pressure, dealing with a lot of volume, 
um, learning things very quickly on the fly, and oftentimes just getting the piss beaten out of you by more senior lawyers who know the ropes and who have learned uh, how to play the game or how to be a lawyer. And that's unfortunately how you learn things as a lawyer. So I was a young, you know, right out of law school and getting beaten up in criminal court, trying to put criminals in jail. So after a while, I, you know, after six years of that, I was fairly, you know, senior in terms of trying cases. I tried about 20, 25 jury trials and, you know, had some good war stories from that, but I was ready to move on and I got a job as a medical malpractice defense lawyer right out of the DA's office and it may seem like kind of a weird jump but it sort of makes sense if you know the jobs because being a criminal prosecutor is a lot of kind of balancing of a lot of files you're re re you know responsible for prosecuting a lot of cases at once um, and you got to learn things very quickly and you got to learn them well enough to know what you're talking about and a medical malpractice defense lawyer, you got to learn little pieces of medicine that are applicable to each case. And you got 40 or 50 very serious cases because by the time that, you know, a medical malpractice case is has been evaluated by a plaintiff's lawyer, been put into suit, you know, it's a very, you know, we don't put, we don't take those cases lightly on either side. They're usually very serious cases where people have died, lost a limb, or their bodily functions are for whatever reason you know, change for the rest of their life. So, um, but I ended up, you know, walking into a New York firm that defended those cases and quickly had a caseload of 50 cases that I was responsible for knowing everything about and handling up until the moment of trial when a partner would take over the file and try the case. So, but again, you know, same set of skills, same sort of stuff you learned at the DA's office. What do you got to do? You got to learn files quickly. You got to read quickly. You got to synthesize. You got to take notes. You got to distill down what's in that file for the following day or the following week and do it quickly and efficiently and get to the point. So that's kind of what, in a generic form, litigators or trial lawyers are known for. We're able to distill down what matters and get to it quickly figure it out, learn something new, and apply it. So that was that. I then moved to Boston, took another job as a med mal defense lawyer for six more years, and then I moved to Philadelphia and opened my own practice doing plaintiff's personal injury work, which is mostly car accidents and slip and falls and weird sort of one-off things, which are complicated because people know I have like kind of a complex litigation personal injury background. So people show me medical malpractice cases that I decide upon. People brought me Sunoco pipeline work. There's this and that. So that's kind of the path to get to being a plaintiff's personal injury lawyer. You know, the other side of it, other than the lawyer's skills, you know, other than internalizing, distilling, and putting together arguments or insights about cases the other part that matters or, you know, that's kind of unique in what I do is, you know, most people who work in my area on one side or the other are, you know, able to deal with individual plaintiffs, meaning consumers, customers, uh, clients, whatever you want to call them. You know, they're everyday Joes on the street who don't have legal training and don't know lawyers. 
because if they knew a lawyer, they wouldn't, you know, be reaching out to, to me necessarily. Um, for a lot of people, I'm the one lawyer they know. But you got to have sort of the ability to talk to people, understand what their issues are, what their problems are, and kind of come up with a solution or at least explain to them how the legal system is going to view their problems and how the legal system is going to look to resolve them. I'm not the most uh, empathetic person. There are a lot of, my wife is a physician and, and her lot in life is being the most empathetic person. But, you know, I, I do feel sympathy. I've been on both sides of the fence and I do feel sympathy for what people are going to it, going through. You know, I see people at bad times in their lives. Um, you know, life has been better. They've had happier times. And for the most part, people are upset and angry. And, and you know, 99% of the time, they did nothing to contribute to their having a case. You know, they were rear-ended. They were T-boned. They fell on a beat-up sidewalk. You know, they were the victims of some sort of malpractice. You know, it's it's something that was unavoidable. And we spend a lot of time, part of our lives, you know, saving money or working, trying to protect ourselves. And then something comes along and whacks you that you couldn't, you know, you didn't even see coming. So, you know, and I, and I empathize with that. And I, I think that I can help people find solutions on a person-to-person -person basis. Whereas really, I, I tried to work for a while, for six months at a at a bankruptcy firm and I ultimately got fired from the job. I couldn't do the job and I was really struggling to one, do the work because it was a totally different kind of lawyering that I was used to or knew anything about. It was a lot of like writing complicated legal briefs, but also like I just hated the work. Like I couldn't wake up in the morning and go and represent a company in bankruptcy. It just wasn't for me. So, um, you know, that's pretty much the history of how I got to where I am. And I'll tell you a little bit more about personal injury law tomorrow. That's Ask Andy for today. And I hope you have a great day. I hold people accountable. <laughs>